in the field with Trackstar Sports. Hey y'all, what's up? It's your girl Erica Mason, aka Miss Pretty and Radical, and you are in the field with Trackstar Sports. Let's get it! So in this year's draft, it it it's incredible. I, I would just say that picks one through five were incredibly entertaining. And and when I say incredible, I mean incredibly entertaining from the standpoint of I didn't know what was going to happen. I was literally driving home and and I I had to work, so it was a, like I couldn't you know I, I couldn't actually be. I couldn't watch the draft while it was happening. I couldn't really sit and watch it all while it was happening. You know, I had to be at work, so I came back from work. I got home, and once I finally got home, I had a chance um, to look at it, and I always kind of make my decision between NFL Network or ESPN, right? I make that decision. Um, I'd, I'd like to go back and forth, but when you're in a recording situation, and I recorded both, when you're in a recording situation, it's kind of like, where do I go? Which which move do I make? And then, you know, just, just for my taste, I went with the NFL Network. And so as we go through this, you're going to hear little bits and pieces from the NFL Network's broadcast of the NFL Draft, right? And so, and you're going to hear my takes on it as we go through. You'll hear my live takes. Actually, some are live takes, and so you'll hear that as we go through. You'll hear some live opinions. And sometimes, you know, my opinions are like, whatever, who cares, right? But you will hear my opinion as we go through the draft. So take this ride with me and go through the first round of the NFL draft. First of all, I want to recap the first five picks of the NFL draft. With the number one pick in this year's draft, the Cleveland Browns selected Baker Mayfield out of Oklahoma, quarterback out of Oklahoma. Everybody should know him. He's the Heisman Trophy winner. He is one of those guys who people believe that this may be a bad pick for the Browns. And the reason this may be a bad pick, a lot of people believe that maybe this is just like Johnny Menzel. They think it's Johnny Menzel 2.0. In my beliefs, I don't think that's the case. But here's the thing. They are similar in some aspects. They are shorter quarterbacks, but, however, Baker Mayfield's a, a little bit of a bigger quarterback, so his his frame is a little bit bigger than Johnny Menzel, so he's not really, like, slight of frame like Johnny was. He's also not... He is somewhat of a arrogant type of boastful type of guy, but it's more so to you know pushing towards winning. And I feel like he's more focused on football than celebrity. And I think Johnny was more focused on celebrity than football. He was trying to build his celebrity empire as opposed to trying to make the Browns a better team. I think a Baker Mayfield changes the makeup of this franchise. It changes the it changes the leader to the point where when the leader comes out, the leader believes that he has the best. He's the best, and he has the best team with him, right? He's going to give the Browns a bit of a cocky attitude they haven't had in a while. And so if you start to feel like the Browns are, are, you know, maybe taking the field with a bit of, you know, something different, then that's probably a product of having a different leader. And you needed to change the culture of that franchise. Baker Mayfield helps to change the culture of that franchise. Now, 
a few different things. Why didn't they go with Saquon Barkley here and then select Baker Mayfield with the number four pick? Well, the reason that is, is because the New York Jets were rumored to have fallen in love with Baker Mayfield. Therefore, if they, since they're at three, if they would have selected Saquon Barkley at one, the Browns being, if they would have selected Saquon Barkley at one, then they wouldn't have had a chance to get their guy at the quarterback position at number four. They would have had to select somebody else. And so this is the way this played out. So it played out like Baker Mayfield at one, and then um, Sam Darnold was available later on. So they picked Baker Mayfield at the first pick because the Jets have fell in love with him. However, I'll also say this. Now, a lot of people are not in love with this pick because they believe Sam Darnold is the best quarterback in this draft. And because Sam Darnold is the best quarterback in this draft, in their opinion, then they believe that maybe the Browns reached, not a little bit, but a lot. When this process first started, Baker Mayfield was projected to be pick 25, pick 24. Some projected him in the second round. Now he's the first pick in the draft? Why is that? Well, what happens is, and this, you'll hear this all the time, is that one person fell in love with him. That one par- person is John Dorsey. John Dorsey fell in love with Baker Mayfield, and because he did, the Browns selected Baker Mayfield with the first pick in the NFL draft. They selected him over Saquon Barkley, and I almost, I can promise you this, when when that pick was in, the very next pick, it, it was like it happened almost simultaneously. The Giants ran up to the podium so they can select Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley brings something to that offense that they haven't had since Tiki Barber. And when I say that, Tiki Barber was their running back, and having a Tiki Barber made the Giants' defense a little bit respectable from, you know, from the backfield. Somebody you have to respect was behind the quarterback. And now there's somebody you have to respect behind the quarterback again. They are saying that Saquon Barkley, they call him Superquan, and you've heard me say this before, Superquan, Superquan, Superquan. Now, the reason they call him that is because he's supposed to be faster than a locomotive, right? And he's like 4'4", right? But still, he's faster than, he's like faster as wide receivers, right? He's stronger than offensive linemen. The offensive lineman they're referring to is Orlando Brown, who he outbenched at the combine. And so, who's also still available, whatever. Um, but Saquon Barkley... It's supposed to be all of that, man. He's supposed to be at a block. Now, last year, he apparently worked on his catching game, and so now he's catching a whole lot better. And so now he's a versatile threat out of the backfield, and with his already explosive moves, right? He's an explosive runner with all that kind of packaged together and his vision. He's the best running back prospect, people are saying, since Adrian Peterson. We're going to see. Now, the Giants know they're in a division where Ezekiel Elliott exists, right? Ezekiel Elliott is there, and now they have the answer to that. Think about this. They have Odell Beckham, Saquon Barkley, Sterling Shepard on the outside, right? Evan Ingram at the tight end position. Don't think they're not thinking about going get Des Bryant. Stick it to the Cowboys one more time. And you also have uh, Eli who gets his love back, his Odell back. And once he gets his Odell back, Eli's a happy Eli. That team should be dangerous. If they go out and they get Des Bryant, they'll be really dangerous. And then they'll start competing with the Eagles and, and, and the Cowboys, right? We'll see what it looks like. Then hopefully they won't be picking second again. After that, you have Sam Darnold, 
Sam Darnold was the pick of the New York Jets at number three. With the number three pick, they selected a quarterback who they didn't believe would be there. I actually believe that the Jets fell in love with Baker Mayfield, thinking that Sam Darnold wouldn't be available. Rumor had it that the Giants liked uh, Sam, Dar- Sam Darnold as well, and that they may go that route. The Cleveland Browns were rumored to have um, have some type of inkling for Sam Darnold, and after that pro day, everybody thought that he was no doubt the first pick in the draft. They didn't know that John Dorsey was in love with Baker Mayfield, and they didn't know that Saquon Barkley was going to the Giants. So the Jets may have not even thought about having the ability or the chance to select Sam Darnold. But if he's the first pick in the draft, moving up from six to three, even though it cost them a lot, may actually pay off handsomely if they're able to bank that into having a perennial pro role player in Sam Darnold. Now, I don't know if that's what he's going to be, but chances are that he will be that, right? We'll see. The next big surprise happened in the first first five picks at the fourth pick in Denzel Ward. Denzel Ward is a top-rated cornerback out of Ohio State. He compares favorably to Marshawn Lattimore, who was a um, rookie defensive player of the year last year. And so because Denzel Ward compares so favorably to him, he's a little bit shorter, but he's a bit more explosive. And so you have a Denzel Ward. They selected him with the fourth pick in the draft. The only reason this came at, at a surprise is because Bradley Chubb was on the board at that time. Bradley Chubb is the number one pass rusher in the draft. Now, you know there's a premium when it comes to selecting cornerbacks and selecting defensive linemen. And defensive ends generally went out over cornerbacks in that scenario because they're closest to the quarterback. Well, in this case... They know that they already have they already have somebody really nice in in, in Miles Garrett, right? Because they already have Miles Garrett, because they already have somewhat of a emerging defensive defensive line. What they don't have though is a good cornerback. They don't have a secondary changing cornerback. They used to have that in Joe Hayden, but they lost Joe Hayden. And so, well, not lost. They got rid of Joe Hayden. So getting rid of Joe Hayden kind of, you know, created a void in that secondary. They think that with him and Julius Peppers, they think that they can rebuild that secondary and actually, um, you know, have something that's respectable, something you have to respect. Now, you can actually have a great defensive line and be so great at the defensive line position that it causes the quarterback to, you know, throw some some crazy balls and maybe it helps your secondary a lot, right? It really helps if you have a good defensive line and a great secondary so the secondary can actually capitalize on all mistakes that quarterbacks may make because of the pressure. They know that, and so they wanted to go the Denzel Ward route. I don't fault him for it. I love Denzel Ward. I think he's phenomenal. If you actually look at his film, he looks so explosive. I haven't seen a, a they call him a quick twitch athlete, and he looks like that. He looks like somebody who is explosive and somebody you have to pay attention to. Now, with the fifth pick, Denver seems like they ran up too. They got Bradley Chubb, defensive end from North Carolina State. Now, this kid is good. And I'm going to say why he's so good, right? And the reason, that, the reason I think he's good is because he's a polished pass rusher on top of being an explosive athlete. And so you have somebody like a Bradley Chubb. Now, I thought he would have been great paired with Miles Garrett. Great paired with Miles Garrett. That's what I thought. But think about this. Denver, when they're really, really good, they could affect the passer. That's when they're really good. Having a Von Miller on one side, a Bradley Chubb on the other side, subbing in a Shane Ray whenever you need to. Man, 
Denver could be back. Now, they could have benefited greatly from having a Denzel Ward. Remember, they got rid of Aqib Tlaib. And so because they don't have any, they don't have an, the other corner over there with Bradley Roby on one side. They don't have another corner on the other side that's going to really affect a quarterback, right? However, getting to the quarterback affects him a lot. And in this case, I think Bradley Chubb is the right move. It's, he's definitely the right move for him. I'm sorry, not the right move for him, but the right move for them. Him being John Elway, but definitely the right move um, for the Denver Broncos. And so I'm excited about picks one through five. Let's get into the rest of the draft. Just 
Adam Gase. I happen right. to believe, I agree with Troy. I think Adam Gase thinks he can win with Tannehill. But Steve Kime makes the move up to number 10. I don't know what it cost them yet, but at the end of the day, remember, they had Carson Palmer for an awful lot of years. Big arm quarterback. Steve Kime believes in that. And I think it's going to be Josh Rose. Well, you've been saying for the last several weeks, Mike, that the comparison that you make based on Rosen's injury history is Sam Bradford. Guess who he'd be right behind on the quarterback depth chart in Arizona? Well, that's why I mocked him to Arizona at 15. I didn't have him trading up, and I'm not sure they had to. But at the end of the day, I think they get their guy. And he is similar in terms of... Uh, natural passer of the football is that the comparison you making that? Bradford and Josh are beautiful natural throwers of the football. They get it. They can they can wake up at four in the morning and drill an 18-yard comeback. However, there's a history of injury with both of them. Josh Rosen two years ago shoulder missed half the season. Last year two concussions. He's got an inability to protect himself in the pocket. And Troy Aikman. Here's my question to Nick, you. I know you like Josh. I watch Eli Manning. This kid's as good an athlete as Eli, but Eli knows when the play is over. Can you learn that at the next level? Well, I think he's going to have to. I mean, that is a fact that he wants to try to keep plays alive. He's a, he's a, he's a mobile guy that he can move around outside the pocket. When you look at his tape and what he's able to do, he's able to slide and find people down the field, but he is not a runner. I think Josh Rosen, you know, had he not have had the durability issues and some of the questions about whether or not he's coachable, I really think he would have been the first player chosen in the draft. He has the best throwing motion. I saw him two years ago in the summer, and he's the most natural, effortless passer that I've seen at such a young age, really at any time in my life. This pick does make sense if it is indeed Josh Rosen because he and Sam Bradford will both play the same style of offense from the pocket. This is a little bit like with uh, Baker Mayfield going to the Browns. Tyrod Taylor is going to have a movement package with him, and here comes another athletic tight quarterback to move around. Same here. Rosen and Bradford can run the same style of offense. He'll be a good mentor to him. That's what I think is going to happen, Steve. I believe that all you guys are right, but also, too, Steve Wilkes, a defensive coordinator in Carolina, now the head coach, understands that a great defense also needs to take the pressure off them by having a, some sustainability and getting a franchise quarterback. Offensive coordinator Mike McCoy understands that he wants a guy who can throw the ball, not a guy who can run around, who can throw the ball, be smart, throw, take, throw the ball into the flat, do things that advance and matriculate the ball down the field, not make mistakes. Yeah, and get the quarterback now, get another receiver to compliment Larry Fitzgerald a little bit later, and off we go. Rich, back to you. Rich, real quick, in a division with Jimmy Garoppolo, Goff, and Russell Wilson, you better go get a young quarterback. Third-round pick and a fifth-round pick is what the Raiders acquired from Steve Kime uh, to, uh, there is Steve Kime on top left right there to go up and get, we're assuming it's going to be Josh Rosen. There's now 90 seconds left for this pick to be had. Perhaps they're somewhere talking to him backstage right now. But as you mentioned, I mean, Jimmy G, Goff, Russell Wilson, and now it looks like Josh Rosen is going to be added to that mix right now. Uh, the pick has been net made officially. Miami is on the clock. And the Raiders, again, amassed a, a couple of picks, one tomorrow night, one on Saturday uh, for them to wait five more picks to make the uh, the second 
first pick of the John Gruden coaching stint in um, in. Now the pick has been in for a little bit of time. Um, however, it still took them a little bit of time from from my standpoint to make this pick. For some reason, I feel like this may be Lamar Jackson. I'm not sure. Um, I really doubt it. I, I think all the experts are right. Um, I feel like this is probably Josh Rosen. But if it's Lamar Jackson, I'm I'm gonna be shocked. I'll be shocked. Um. Or maybe it's a defensive player. I don't think so, but I really believe it's Josh Rosen. We'll see. I mean, they've been saying it for a while. Let, let's see what it is. Of the wait for Josh Rosen and the end of the top 10 of a very uh, highly anticipated draft. The Oakland Raiders have traded the 10th pick to the Arizona Cardinals. With the 10th pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, the Arizona Cardinals select... Josh Rosen, quarterback, UCLA. Okay, so after several years of having... All right, picks 6 through 10 were really, really smart. I think they fit needs, and they were also best player available um, according to these teams. Not only according to these teams, but according to the experts, right? And so, Quentin Nelson was the pick for the Indianapolis Colts. They would have loved to have went um, Bradley Chubb, at least in my opinion, but he didn't fall to them. Denver selected him one pick ahead of them. They either, look, we're either going after quarterbacks or we're protecting our quarterback. So, they decided to protect their quarterback, Andrew Luck, by selecting Quentin Nelson, who was by far the best offensive lineman in this draft. With the seventh pick, the Buffalo Bills traded up so they can get Josh Allen, very strong arm guy, threw it 80 yards. Not he he can throw 80 yards with no problem. I'll say that and and look like an accurate 80. To be honest with you, it looked good. He's throwing deep balls and they they fit right in there very well. He throws the type of deep ball that I remember seeing when I used to look at Cam Newton and, and try to figure out if he was going to be something, you know, some type of real great player in the NFL. And Cam really panned out. I'm not saying that Josh Allen is, is Cam Newton. I'm just saying that he has the physical tools to be really, really good in Buffalo. We'll see what he looks like at the end of the day. Um, him along with a LaShawn McCoy, I think that's really good for for Buffalo. We'll see what it looks like. I know Brown fans are excited because he's not their quarterback. And they don't feel with their losing nature that you can bring in this guy from Wyoming and think he's going to do do well with them. Yes, he wore Brown when he was with Wyoming. That doesn't mean he fits with the Browns. And I, that's what they were saying, basically. Um, Roquan Smith. Roquan Smith out of Georgia. I love the kid. He can run sideline to sideline. Very fast. Very fluid athlete. And when I say fast and fluid, I, I really mean that. You can feel his speed when he's chasing somebody down. You can see him actually affect change in that um, championship game. I love what I saw from Roquan Smith when I watched the championship game. And so I, you can see a guy who can actually change the culture of what's going on with the Chicago Bears. On defense, they haven't been great since they had somebody on at the linebacking in the linebacking core that can really strike fear in a defense. I think he's that guy. With the ninth pick in the draft, the San Francisco 49ers select Mike McGlinchey, tackle out of Notre Dame. And I like that pick as well. The reason I like the pick is because they're saying, hey, Jimmy Garoppolo is our franchise guy. We're going to do everything we can to protect that investment. They're going full in on the Jimmy G train. And I like that because Jimmy Garoppolo is one of those type of quarterbacks that you can actually trust. And I'm saying that now 
just based on what I've seen so far. He's been undefeated so far as a starting quarterback in the NFL, and I think most of that is because, uh, for one, he's learned from the best. Let's just say that. He's definitely learned from the best, but he also came in the league with some good tools, right? He's a smart quarterback. He takes care of the ball, and I think I think he takes care of the ball, but he's also one of those guys who can, at times, you know, throw the ball down the field. So he's not what some would call just in, you know, a slight upgrade from uh, Alex Smith. That's not the case here. I really believe that Jimmy Garoppolo is one of those great quarterbacks. But we'll see. I tell you what, the San Francisco 49ers, the San Francisco 49ers believe in him. And the reason you can tell they believe in him is because going after um, Mike McGlinchey when Derwin James is still on the board and you still have a chance to, to get some other um, pieces for your defense, they say, no, we're going to go with um, a offensive tackle to shore up that offensive line for Jimmy Garoppolo. The next pick was the 10th pick by the Arizona Cardinals. They select Josh Rosen, quarterback out of UCLA. Good pick. A lot of people believe in Josh Rosen. A lot of people believe in him. I think that Josh Rosen is two people. He's one of two people, and we're going to find out. Either he's Aaron Rodgers, because if he's Aaron Rodgers slash Sam Bradford, right? But I'm thinking more so Aaron Rodgers, because either he's a guy who's going to be phenomenal from the pocket, but also have a little, you know, a few quirks about him that you just can't. I mean, you don't, you don't have to talk to him all the time, but you still like him because he's somewhat cool, you know? Um... You know, maybe he's that guy, right? Maybe he's a really good football player with a quirky personality. Or he's Ryan Leaf, and he's somebody who will divide your, he'll divide your locker room. He's somebody who won't get along with veterans. He's somebody who's going to make the people of your city upset. He's somebody who's going to mess up that franchise a little bit just because of chemistry issues. Maybe he's that. Maybe he's uncoachable. And, at the, and this is... That's the situation. That's the possible situation with somebody like Josh Rosen. So one of two things. Either he's Aaron Rodgers and he's going to be really great. Or he's Sam Bradford because of his tools. Or on the flip side of that, he is Ryan Leaf. And he's going to set the franchise back a few years. We'll see. We'll see what it looks like at the end of the day. He's already coming out saying a few things that, you know, maybe aren't too, uh, I don't know, politically correct. But he's not that guy. He's not a politically correct guy. He's a millennial. <laughs> As if all millennials are the exact same. Anyway, so let's hop back into this draft. Drew Brees retires, and that's more the college scheme 
and you better have two of them in case one gets hurt. So Taysom Hill, Lamar Jackson, I believe, will be the quarterbacks of the future for the New Orleans Saints, and I think Sean Payton is excited about potentially welcoming Lamar Jackson to New Orleans. Can you see wow. Lamar Jackson and Alvin Kamara in the same offense for a decade? <laughs> I, I, I mean, just, with, with Sean Payton pushing the button. I don't know if there's a better place for this young man to go. We talk about all the things. If this young man will commit to his coaching staff, he will commit to improving his footwork and not being flat-footed and having some defense and having a good base. Where else better could he go than sit behind Drew Brees and learn how to go through a progression, work the West Coast office, manage protections, uh, operate the pocket, and then take off and do what he does best, which is, which is change games with his legs. This could be a huge move for the Saints. For you get one of the most creative play callers. And now you give him somebody like Lamar Jackson. It's endless, the possibilities, what you could do in that backfield. <laughs> you, you, don't, wow. you don't trade a number one in a, in a future year's draft for anything other than a quarterback. Right? I don't think so. And, and I think Sean Payton, like last year, I had a conversation with Sean last year about Kamara. And he knew how he was going to use him. I had a conversation this year with Sean two weeks ago about Lamar Jackson. And he knows how he's going to use him. Trust me. What a fun moment this is. The commissioner comes marching in with the Saints pick moving all the way up from 27 to 14 using next year's one and pick 147 in this year's draft to come from 27 to 14. Could this be... A night that was starting off with a Heisman Trophy winner. And then, with pick 14 being another Heisman Trophy winner, becoming the first draft since 1999 to have five first-round quarterbacks in one night, and it would be done in the first 14 selections. Which then puts Mason Rudolph on the clock, potentially. Well, it's been 35 years since we've had six. The haunted 1983 draft, the Kelly... Marino Elway draft, or as Jets fans would refer to it, the O'Brien draft. <laughs> so these Saints fans here, again, this is this is and, and like Thomas Mike Thomas on the outside. This wow. is so exciting because I think he watched what Bill O'Brien did in Houston last year with Deshaun Watson, and this is the next level. Sorry, folks. Listen to me. This is Rick Sincere. Um, 
dedicated fans fan, you heard me and my ain't before um before this pick. I'm not in love with the Marcus Davenport pick and I may be wrong. I may be really wrong and maybe um maybe at the end of the day he's great, he's phenomenal. Uh, it would have made my heart swell if that pick was Derwin James. Um it would have made my heart feel better if that pick was Lamar Jackson. That pick being Marcus Davenport is disappointing to me. And hear me out. You may play this back years from now when Marcus Davenport is a six or seven time Pro Bowl player. And, and you know, you're like, oh, man, Rick, remember that time you was mad about, you know, Marcus Davenport being a pick. I really don't feel like you move up from 27 to 14 to pick Marcus Davenport. I, I just I, I don't like it. And and you can call me, you know, whatever. Maybe I'm a bit of a homer. Maybe maybe that's the way um, I'm, I'm going with it. I don't like the pick at all. I really don't. There's, there's guys on the board right now who are franchise changing. Like a Lamar Jackson or even beyond a Lamar Jackson, like a Derwin James who's right there on the board. Um, I mean, there's some great players on this board right now, and I just don't feel like you do that. Now we're giving up a one this year and a one next year? <sighs> it, it, it's bothersome. Um, it's bothersome. And, and, you know, everybody will go and watch tape to make themselves feel better about the pick, but sometimes gut matters a lot. Sometimes gut matters a lot. <laughs> Apparently, they had a gut feeling about this player. Um, on my end, I don't feel the same. And so, maybe I'm wrong at the end of the day. Maybe that's the situation. You know, I was beyond excited at first because I didn't know what we were going to do. Um, but now that I know what, we, what we've done and Marcus Davenport is the pick, um, I'm not as excited. I hope he proves me wrong. I really do. Um, but this type of move... To me, um, spells bad decision, and it's it spells need pick and not best player on the board. It's, that's a need pick and not the best player on the board. Um, I'm not a fan of the pick, so maybe I'm wrong at the end of the day. We'll see, but I'm not a fan of it. All right, let's get back into the draft. Targeted, spent some time with, quite a bit of time with, and just you know really didn't, you know, didn't know exactly uh, at what point in the draft we felt he was going to be taken, uh, specifically the first round. Um, like every year, we would discuss, you know, who were the players that we would move forward for, um, and. You know, he clearly for us was a guy that uh, that we felt strongly enough about. Um, fits a must position as well. You know, we see him over at the right defensive end position. Um, compensation was fair. Any questions? Well, those players that that were taken like right in that same ballpark. You know, you saw some real good linebackers. Go well. One was taken before, and I think I'm sure, quite sure, Edmonds was taken 
a pick or two after, right? Um, those are all real good football players. And uh, you know, every year it, it seems like the quarterbacks kind of lead the way in regards to pushing other players back. Um, and I think that was the case a little bit this year as well. No, and, and if listen, if, he, if he's comfortable standing, then you know he can play the same technique standing. I, I don't think that'll be uh, a big transition. He is someone who's real explosive and uh, got great makeup, and we're excited about you know about the vision for him. It's pretty clear. I think it was important. You know, he, he played some five technique at that game, which is a little bit more of a, a different position for him. Uh, but we see him as a, an edge player, a pressure player. Um, it did it did give you a chance to see, uh, you know, a higher level of competition. And yet, when you watch his college tape, there's a number of games, um, you know, against pretty good opponents. So. But I think that it was all part of the process. It was it was one piece of the you know evaluation. Well, I mean, look, this is a school. You know, it seems like in the last seven or eight years, there's been four or five programs that all of a sudden you're like, man, they're playing Houston, they're playing Baylor, they're playing um, UTEP, and the point is that we'll look at some film and we'll really look at some small schools. Um, but I think it's it's a program that has made a commitment uh, to a, a high level of competition. And, and well, the one thing that stands out is you see his effort and and down in down out how he plays. That, that's pretty impressive. Um, there'll be some things we'll have to work with him on, like any rookie, any young player. Um, and we look forward to doing that. Pardon. Yeah, quite a bit. I mean, the staff was very helpful in the evaluation. We lean on the college coaches. They were tremendous. They're really helpful. Um, again, the exposure to the Senior Bowl combine. Um, you know, he's, 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 he's a real, you guys will have a chance to meet him. A real sharp guy and, and I think driven uh, and, and focused and, and will be anxious to, to get started and uh, and I think his teammates here will, will see those traits. How much is this to maybe take some heat off Cam Jordan? How much of this is just to improve the overall pass rush? Yeah, I'm not interested in taking any heat off Cam. I'm interested in getting other players like Cam. So, you you know, I, I think, look, one of the, one of the offseason targets was, you know, a pressure player. And that might come. As a guy who lines up inside, it might come from a player that lines up outside. But before we check that box, we have to feel like he can affect the quarterback. And, you know, our leagues, there's there's a premium on a few different positions. One of them is, is that. One of them is at corner. We saw the quarterbacks and the, and the tackles. You know, we can't find those guys when the season's over with and we start free agency. You know, the, the, they're generally players you have to draft. After trading down from 10 to allow the Cardinals to move up to select Josh Rosen, the silver and black pick of John Gruden's second administration there. With the 15th pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, the Oakland Raiders select Colton Miller, offensive tackle, UCLA. The draft board, Mac. I mean, they moved up a couple of uh, months ago to 12. 
in the Bengals spot, and then they moved up to seven, and now they've moved from 22, which they got last year's draft for the Patrick Mahomes trade for the Chiefs. They used that 22 to go up to 16, and giving uh, the Ravens an extra third-round pick tomorrow night and getting an extra fifth-round pick from Baltimore on Saturday. And by the way, one of the second-round picks that the Bills used to go up from 21 to 12, and then 12 to 7, they got from the Rams in the Sammy Watkins trade last summer. So that's just the way that you acquire draft capital and move all over the place. But now stop kicking out on that stuff. Let's figure out what they're, they're doing this for you. Well, Brandon Bean has been really active. I, I like what they've done so far. If they go offense, I think it has to be a wide receiver, either uh, Ridley or DJ Moore. But the higher-ranked players are still on defense. DJ, there's Tremaine Edmonds, Jair Alexander, Derwin James. Derwin James is the highest-ranked player on the board right now. So I, you would think it'd be a defensive player, but I think it's wide receiver if they go on the other side. You don't think Ozzie Newsom would trade out to allow somebody else to take the best Alabama player available. <laughs> we'll see what happens. The Baltimore Ravens have traded the 16th pick to the Buffalo Bills. With the 16th pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, the Buffalo Bills select Jermaine Edmonds, linebacker, Virginia Tech. 19. With the 17th pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, the Los Angeles Chargers select Derwin James, defensive back, Florida State. Yeah, Rich, this guy's unbelievable. He's stunned right now. He's taking his time to get over. He's so blingy and everything. I got to get him in position, man. Excited? Man, I'm happy, man. Let's do it. I'm ready to go to work. Did you get a teammate shoot? Did you get a little upset back in the back? Like, I feel like, I feel like 16, 16 teams, they tried me, but, you know, coming in at work. You know, I'm happy to all um, the charge came and got me, man. Like I said, I'm coming in, and I got something to prove. Can you tell him what college you came from, man? What you say? What college did you come from? D, Florida State University. DB. You, Florida State, baby, we back. Back to you, Rich. All right, so NFL Total Access on NFL Network. And, yes, the Packers are on the clock. And you can tell on the side of the hotel down there in the Metroplex. They're on the clock uh, because Seattle just traded down and Green Bay just traded up. So, again, Green Bay was 14th overall, but traded down so the Saints could come up and... Uh, Draft Marcus Davenport. They grabbed next year's one from the Saints for that. And so now Green Bay is back up in 18. And Seattle getting the third round selection essentially to move down here. And Seahawks fans are starting to freak out because they don't want him to trade out of the first round. Oh, again, they've only had one first round selection since 2013. And they're perilously, perilously close to doing that again. That's for later on tonight. What do you think this is about? Well, let's keep in mind, Brian Gutekunst, the new GM for Green Bay, a little different than what we've He's seen. He's having some fun. With <laughs> Ted Thompson was a stay-in-your-lane guy. Gutekunst is going back, coming back up. My gut tells me it's either a wide receiver, again, Ridley, DJ Moore in the conversation, or a corner, Jair Alexander, Mike Hughes. I, I, I would think if they go corner, it's Jair Alexander. And to get ahead of the Cowboys, I, I lean towards receiver a little bit. Right, exactly. The Cowboys right. might be in that market. So Ridley, DJ Moore, that's what you're talking about. That would come to mind. 
Yeah, I don't think Cortland Sutton would come into play for them, but that's the conversation also in Dallas. Okay, so let's go uh, to the podium right now. So the Packers have moved all over the board. Came in at 14, then moved down to 27. Now they pop up to 18 to make this selection. The Seattle Seahawks have traded the 18th pick to the Green Bay Packers. With the 18th pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, the Green Bay Packers select Jair Alexander. Defensive back. I love Steve Smith. I really do. Um, what does he mean by instant grits? Um, no, I like it. I like it. It's cool. But what does he mean? <laughs> you get instant grits all day long. I don't know what that means. Um, I think it means that you're going to get um, uh, instant ability to score. I think you're going to get a, a you know big-time impact at the wide receiver position. I think that's what he means. When I look at DJ Moore... Um, I mean, most people talk about his speed when it was clocked. It, it wasn't as impressive as what they thought on the field. So maybe he's more of a, um, you know, on the field fast guy as opposed to a clock guy. And that's cool. Um, a lot of people believe in DJ Moore. I personally um, believe in Calvin Ridley. I do. I believe that you'll see if you pick a select right now, a Calvin Ridley, what you're going to get is a wide receiver who will play better for you 
in the NFL than he would have played in college based on the situation. You know the situation. He had Jalen Hurts as his quarterback. He just wasn't able to really show everything that he had in college, right? Um, He just had to account for having bad quarterback play. If you watch this kid, he's a really good player. He's a great player. Very similar to what I felt um, when you looked at um, Odell Beckham Jr. coming out of LSU when he had somebody like a Zach Mettenberger as his quarterback. That Zach Mettenberger just couldn't really give you everything you could possibly get out of Odell Beckham Jr. In my world, um, I'm I'm kind of at a loss. I really don't know where they go here. I believe they go wide receiver, um, but if they go DJ Moore over Calvin Ridley, to me, ultimately, I think it may be a mistake. I, I think Leon Van Der Esch is the best zone drop linebacker I've seen since Keekley coming out of college. All right, the pick is in. The Lions are already 30 seconds to being on the clock. And uh, it's a frenzy in here. I mean, what a... What a spot. They put the war room on, on the big screen here uh, on the draft stage. Pick number 20 is on the clock. Pick number 19 for the Dallas Cowboys is in. The commissioner making his way to the podium. We already saw the Giants went Saquon Barkley. We saw the Washington Redskins go Deron Payne. The hometown Cowboys are about to make their pick with some very special guests coming out with the commissioner. Check it out. Selection. 
So they're amassing some picks, and Baltimore has now moved down twice tonight. They originally moved down to the Bills who come up and take Tremaine Edmonds earlier tonight. So the Titans are about to have a pick. New England is one minute into being on the clock for the first of two times tonight. What do you think the Titans uh, come out to go get, Mike? I think the most logical guy is the last, quote, first-round edge guy in this draft, and that's Harold Landry from Boston College. Keep in mind, they're two edge guys. They're, they play a 34 base. It's an outside linebacker position with Iraq, Bo, and Morgan. Both of them are in their 30s. Both are in contract years. Now, on top of that, at linebacker, they've got a need. Rashawn Evans or even wide receiver Calvin Ridley. I think they're the three. The 22nd pick in the 2018 NFL Draft. The Tennessee Titans select Rashawn Evans. All right, you just heard wide receiver Steve Smith. And when I say wide receiver, I mean former wide receiver Steve Smith. I'm currently an analyst for the NFL Network. You just heard him drop his take on DJ Moore. And so when I talked about DJ Moore earlier, I, I said, you know, I didn't really, you know, super believe in him. I got to go back and watch the tape, though, because all of a sudden I'm kind of intrigued. I'm a little bit more intrigued. Now, I liked... Um, I like Kelvin really over DJ Moore, and that's just in my book because I've seen him play on a bigger, I've seen him play on bigger fields, I've seen him play in bigger games, and also um, in my world, I just think he never got a fair shake to really see what he could be. That's just what I feel. I believe that he's going to be ten times better, and I know he's dropping right now in the draft, and he's dropping far. We're at pick number twenty-five. He's dropping really far in this draft, and I believe he's dropping. Simply because of the lack of productivity. I think that lack of productivity is, like I said, is really because of his quarterback, not because of him as an uh, as a player. Um, the Ravens are picking here. I don't know what they'll do, but in in my estimation, here's what I've never seen. I've never seen a situation where a former player, and, and you may have seen it, right? But I haven't seen where a former highly respected player endorses a um. A, a player coming into the league, right, and that player not pan out or have some level of success. When it happened for D, the last time I really remember it was Deion Sanders coming out of his shell 
just like really coming out of his mind talking about how Tyron Matthew was going to be a dog. He said dog. This is the word he used. He was like, Tyron Matthew is going to be an absolute dog in the league, and he knows that. So this was around the third round when, when Arizona went ahead and selected him. And has he not been that type of dog in the league? He really has been that type of player in the league. And so because... I hear a Steve Smith endorse somebody like a DJ Moore. I got to go, you know, do a little bit more homework on DJ Moore to make sure that I know exactly um, how I feel about him. So I'm going to go, I'll do some more homework. Maybe this is the marketing, you know, they wanted. But he said, and you heard him, he said that they haven't been able to replace him. And they have been looking for that replacement. Now think about all the weapons around Cam Newton. There are a ton of weapons now around Cam Newton, right? And so I believe that that Carolina Panthers offense is going to be it's going to be great. I think it's going to be a great offense to pay attention to, but I got to go and check out DJ Moore, um, figure out who he is and what type of threat that he's going to present. Um, because, I mean, from from my standpoint now, I think that they should have went Calvin Ridley with this pick. But if Steve Smith says that this is the route to go, man, maybe I got to go check that out. You know what I mean? He called this guy his spirit animal. And you know how deep and ferocious and competitive is Steve Smith was. So you got to pay attention to it, right? If he's given that type of respect, I got to go check that out. And and maybe you should too. So let's check out DJ Moore and let's find out, you know, exactly what type of player um, he brings. He was highly endorsed, highly endorsed in the Trackstar Sports Mock Draft. So let's see, um, you know, what he'll turn out to be. I'll go do a little bit more homework on DJ Moore and see if they really did get what some people would call a great steal at this point in the first round. Rich, first of all, you guys may have been on the money with the Ravens. One of their plans going into the draft was to trade back and take a tight end. So we'll see if that's what they end up doing. But it is a potential landing spot for Lamar Jackson. They were having these conversations. Baltimore was, what would our offense look like with Lamar Jackson? What would we have to change? Which is basically everything. A couple other possible landing spots. The Jacksonville Jaguars, so Blake Bortles, just on a short deal. I'm told they have a little bit of interest. And then, of course, there is the Patriots who did visit with them twice. They're still lurking at 31. All right, Ian, appreciate that. The pick is in. Uh, Atlanta is now on the clock, a minute in in BC. With the 25th pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, the Baltimore Ravens select Hayden Hurst. There you go, DJ. Tight end, South Carolina. With the 26th pick, in the 2018 NFL Draft, the Atlanta Falcons select Calvin Ridley, wide receiver, Alabama. Hey, how y'all doing, man? I'm, I'm, man, I can't lie to y'all. I'm, I'm so upset about this last pick. The Atlanta Falcons get Calvin Ridley, a wide receiver out of Alabama. I've been talking about this, this kid for the last few picks, and, and. Honestly, I thought for sure that Atlanta would go a different direction. I thought with Taven Bryan um, kind of sitting right there, I thought they would go um, with him. And honestly, he would be somebody who, in, in my estimation, I would fear less. Man, now I got to deal with, and when I say I, I'm talking about the Saints defense. Now the Saints defense will have to deal with multiple um, you know, weapons. 
And and this is what I'm saying to you, okay? So, yes, last year the Saints were able to go out and get Marshawn Lattimore um, and have at least one cornerback. And that cornerback um, going into last year, here's what he had to deal with. Marcus Lat- uh, I'm sorry, um, Marshawn Lattimore had to deal with Julio Jones, right? Um, he had to deal with um, not a ton, maybe a little bit from Carolina, Um you know, not much from Carolina because when, once Calvin Benjamin was gone and, and he no longer had to deal with that situation, um, he was in a little bit of a better place, right? Um, in in Tampa Bay, he had to deal with Mike Evans, and dealing with Mike Evans was um, he dealt with Mike Evans really well, right? And so each one of those teams never had a second wide receiver you really had to worry about. Not at all. Nobody had a second wide receiver that you had to deal with. And now every team has two wide receivers. Well, not every team, but at least um, two of the three teams that the Saints will have to deal with now have a extra wide receiver that you have to pay attention to, right? And so along with um, what's going on with Julio Jones, now you deal with a Kelvin Ridley as well. Right, and, and and that's something you have to deal with. That's that's now a problem. Now you have to have multiple good corners. You can't just have one, right? And on the other side of that, now the Carolina Panthers, along with having Christian McCaffrey, who the Saints had trouble um, dealing with, and along with dealing with the Greg Olson, who they had trouble with. Now you also have to figure out how to deal with the DJ Moore. If if Stephen Smith is saying he's as good as he is, right? You have to figure out a way to deal with a, a DJ Moore. Right, and so um, along with their other emerging wide receiver on the other side, and so now um, I believe that the Saints are in a bit of of a situation, right? Because they have one good corner. Well, actually, they have two good. What well, have one phenomenal corner, one decent corner, right? And so um, if if Calvin Ridley and DJ Moore prove to be as good as the experts believe that they can be, there'll be something to deal with. And it'll be a tough goal for, for the New Orleans Saints. And I think that was the thing. The Saints won a division last year. And so in order to um, combat the winning of the division, here's what they did. They went out and got more offensive firepower. If they, if they think that the division champions now have a better defense, great. Let's go out and get more offensive firepower. And that's exactly the response that has happened from the other members of the NFC South uh, when it comes to dealing with the New Orleans Saints. So we'll see how it all plays out. I did not want to see Calvin Ridley playing alongside Julio Jones in that offense. No, no, did not want to see that. Not with Devontae Freeman there. Didn't want to see that. I, I can't lie to you. I didn't want to see that at all. But I'm in a situation, well, you know, Saints fans are in a situation where they have to deal with that. All right, outside from a football perspective, do I like the pick for Atlanta? I love the pick for Atlanta. I believe that you needed somebody opposite of Julio. Now, granted, they already have somebody opposite of Julio Jones who is a, is a bit of a threat. He does well running the ball after the catch, and he can also play quarterback. You saw him play quarterback and not play quarterback, but, you know, throw the ball. And so, you know, you have somebody that um, you have to deal with on the other side. However, another dynamic wide receiver in that offense, along with a Tevin, uh, a Tevin Coleman, now you're talking about a offense that you have to deal with. If they fool around and go and get a tight end with the second pick, with the second um, pick, right, or with that second round draft pick, then you're talking about a team that you just. I, I don't even know how to deal with that, right? And so we'll we'll see how it all plays out here. Their first pick in the in the first round, I think, was very very good.
27th pick in the 2018 draft, the Seattle Seahawks select Rashad Penny, running back, San Diego State. Okay. And what we're about to see for the pick announcement, there's only one way to put it. It is inspirational, it is something else, and it is a sight for sore eyes. We have a uh, very special moment to make the announcement of the Pittsburgh Steelers selection. We are honored to have with us an extraordinary man who continues to amaze us with his unyielding determination and his unwavering spirit. We are so proud of him, and he inspires us all. Please welcome, joined by his fiance Michelle, Ryan Shazier. I'm not gonna lie to you. Um, watching Ryan Shazier um, come out and introduce the um, pick for the for, um, for the Pittsburgh Steelers, I knew. Um, I, I, saw, I heard rumors of him uh, walking on to um, a court at his old college, um, or at least you know a nearby college game. I saw him. Um, I, I heard rumors of that, and so for me, I was um, you know I wasn't shocked at the fact that he was walking at this point, um, but. What 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 it made me feel like is, um, man, I'm I'm. Don't take for granted your day to day situation. Does that make sense? Like, don't take for granted your your ability to to do walk, feel, run, jump, play, um, do whatever you can. Um, don't take that for granted because, mo- I mean, just in any moment, any instance, something that you really enjoy doing or a thing that you actually take for granted can be taken away from you. So take advantage of all the time and space that you have. Man, Ryan Shazier, every time he played, at least when he was playing um, playing for the last few years, he was the best athlete on the field to me. He was the absolute best athlete on the field. Um, I mean, a running back, I mean, I'm sorry, linebacker running that fast and, and the way he approached everything with so much force, I'm Man, it, 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 I'm happy that he's recovering and that um, he's doing well. But to watch him walk out, I don't know when his next snap will be. I don't. I don't know if his next snap um, is coming or ever coming. Um, and and I believe in. I mean, he looks. You know, what I mean, he's, he's a physical guy, so I mean, I can see him. Um, you know, really regaining full strength, and, and he's walking now. He's walking. Um, I guess a little ab- above his projection time. I'm so thankful to God that he's at that point where he can. I don't foresee him um, putting himself back through the rigors again. I really don't. So, um, so in my mind, I feel a little bit saddened um, by um, 
by his by his career ending abruptly. And God is a miracle worker, so God can do anything that he wants, and God can absolutely um, make him the biggest story ever and turn him back into the same player he was before he left the field. I, honestly, God can. If that's in God's plans, then glory, glory. If not, and, and the plan is for him to no longer play the game anymore, um, then, you know, that will be done. But what a phenomenal career, right, that this um, young man has had. So um, definitely thank God for, for him. Prayers up for um, for his recovery. This is Bortles about to. With the 29th pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, the Jacksonville Jaguars select Taven Bryan, defensive tackle, Florida. The 30th pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, the Minnesota Vikings select Mike Hughes, defensive back, University of Central Florida. Pick 32. Which teams, first of all, why is he dropping like this, and, and which teams might come up and take him? Well, let me just say, when I was studying him, I thought he was a day two guy. So right. I'm not surprised that he hasn't been taken off the board just yet. But I think a couple things hurt him, to be honest with you. He didn't time in the 40 at the combine. He didn't time in the 40 on his pro day. And I felt that when you're going into your pro day, you play to your strengths. And his strengths is his ability to run. He runs real fast. So I thought that maybe hurt him a little bit. The other thing is that he was going to be a guy who was going to sit back and learn. And because of his athletic ability and what he's able to do, would he have been willing to help the team, you know, with the ball in his hands, he's a home run threat every time. And, and maybe teams didn't feel that he'd be able to do that. And maybe that's what made him slide as well. I want to make one other point on Baker Mayfield. He's the one who obviously has surprised some people going as the number one pick. What we didn't address was his height. You know, we haven't seen many guys at 6'1 or under that that have had success, but I just want to say that I've always felt that height was vastly overrated at the quarterback position. We've certainly seen a lot of different styles of quarterbacks come into the league and have success. At 6'4", I had problems at times seeing over offensive linemen. His left tackle at Oklahoma was 6'8". I, I don't think height is going to be a factor in this whatsoever. And as I said at the time of the pick, I think he's going to be outstanding. Well, you, I agree with you. Height as a quarterback and a wide receiver is overrated. You, you don't have to. <laughs> that's right. But Lamar Jackson, I, I love the fact that he didn't run because that means he doesn't want to go into the system saying he's not a quarterback. He is a quarterback. Uh, well, height as a quarterback, as a coach, is overrated. Let's go. With the 31st pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, the New England Patriots select. Sony Michelle, running back, Georgia. Signal quite a shift at that quarterback position in Baltimore. The Philadelphia Eagles have traded the 32nd pick to the Baltimore Ravens. With the 32nd pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, the Baltimore Ravens select Lamar Jackson. Listen to this place go crazy right now. Ron, the floor is yours. I can see it in your eyes. I can see you a little bit upset, a little deterred. Yes. But guess what? Don't miss here. You here? I'm a rave. It's on. All year, every year. Yes, sir. What could you have done differently 
that you could have gotten out of that room quicker and got drafted earlier in your career? Nothing. I'm happy to be a Raven. It don't even matter. Yesterday does not matter. You're looking forward to today. I'm looking forward to being a Raven. What are they getting? Everything out of me. They don't get a Super Bowl out of me. You need that. You need that. Ozzy, man. I love you, man. Ozzy, you know. I love you. I appreciate you, man. Yes, sir. God bless you, Ozzy. Yes, sir. I can't wait to see you get down, man. Yes, sir. Man, it's been an amazing draft. Hopefully you've enjoyed exactly what you've been able to experience. There has been a lot of movement in this draft. The draft was phenomenal. I want to say it was phenomenal. Very entertaining from start to finish. There are so many players left. I love the fact that, you know, the the first day of the draft happens on the Thursday and then Friday feels like a whole nother draft because there are so many other people available. I mean, so many great players left. And so when you look at um, who's remaining, you have players like Will Hernandez, who's an offensive guard out of Texas, El Paso. He is a phenomenal guard. He, he's somebody who people projected to be in the first round. So anybody who gets him in the second round, um, they're going to get a steal. Connor Williams is a, is a um, tackle out of Texas. He, um, most people, some people, you know, kind of think guard, but actually Connor Williams was a phenomenal player, not last year, but the year before that. So a a lot of people believed in that tape, but at the same time, maybe not enough. Because if they really believed in that in that film, then he would have been somebody who was selected a lot earlier. James Daniel is still available. Cornerback Josh Jackson out of Iowa is still available. This guy was a pick magnet last season. He did run like a four-five in the forty, and that may scare some teams, right? He wasn't like a burner. Um, but think about it. A lot of great cornerbacks in the past have ran in that four-five range, right? I don't think Richard Sherman was so incredibly fast coming out. I don't even think um, I keep uh, to leave was so ridiculously fast coming out. But still, those guys make really good players. Um, remember, you had cornerback um, cornerback slash safety Malcolm Jenkins, who initially went to the Saints, but really found his groove when he got to the Eagles um, playing a, the safety position. He also was another guy kind of in that 4-5 um, range. So if this guy has a nose for the ball, runs in that range, then he may be somebody who um, can actually turn out to be a very good pro. Maybe his lack of speed scares some NFL teams. Um, Darius Geis is still on the board. Now, that's kind of shocking to me. That's really shocking to me. This is the guy who led, not only led the LSU um, Tigers, but he was the face of that, that, that team. He was phenomenal. He can catch out of the backfield. He can run. Um, I mean, when I say he can run, I mean he runs like a man possessed at times. And he came in and he took over for Leonard Fournette. And you really, as an LSU fan, didn't feel like there was any fall off, any real drop off between Darius Geis and Leonard Fournette. Now, granted, you know, Leonard Fournette came in with a whole lot more flair, but Darius Geis really held his own and put that team on his back at times. That guy is still on the board picking Rashad Penny over him. I'm not too sure about that. And and I think at some point, um, teams may pay for that. I would have loved to even see the Patriots, instead of going for Sonny Michelle, think about a Darius Geis right there. However, Sonny Michelle does, you know, kind of feel a little bit more explosive. Um, but, 
there's not a better do-it-all back in this draft outside outside of Saquon Barkley than Darius Geis in this case. Um, D- Dallas Goddard is still on the board. He's somebody who's out there. Cortland Sutton, um, a wide receiver at SMU, he's still out there. Very he- heavily rumored to go to Dallas, but Dallas went ahead with Leighton Vander Esch as their um, as their pick right there. And I understand why they did that. Great um, linebacker, great coverage linebacker. Um, but at the same time, um, at Cortland Sutton, people believe that he may be the pick, and I think even really was still on the board um, at the time. But um, you know, Cortland, Cortland Sutton is still out there. Most people believed in the beginning he was a second rounder anyway and and some people thought he might get that first round push but he did not Nick Chubb is out there now Nick Chubb played very well last year didn't play so well the year before that but if you remember when he first came in man Nick Chubb was the man don't get it twisted Nick Chubb from Georgia was the man and I'm not only saying that because, you know, of where I'm located, but he, he was the absolute man um, at some point. And you saw highlights of him every single week um, when he was in college. But then he kind of fell off after the injury. But last year he came back. The only thing is he shared that spotlight with Sony Michelle. And so while sharing that spotlight with Sony Michelle, um, maybe some people lost a little faith in Nick Chubb. I can see him as a second round um, draft pick. That's completely OK. Um, but. I hope teams don't undervalue him too much. This guy will be a a, a steal. Um, Harold Landry, an edge rusher from Boston College, he's still out there. And a lot of people thought that he may be a late first-round pick as well. Having him still out there, I've, I've even heard when it was time for the Patriots to select that maybe they were thinking, hey, maybe Harold Landry is the, the guy because they haven't had a great edge rusher in a while. Well, Harold Landry is still out there and available. And so maybe he, he'll be selected. I'm pretty sure he doesn't make it out of the second round. That's, that's almost a guarantee. Um, two other guys that are out there that are, I'm really excited about Christian Kurt. Now, I didn't get excited about Christian Kurt until very late, right? People love Christian Kurt. They like him because of his returnability. They like him also because of um, the way he plays the game. They think that he plays the game like his hair's on fire. I mean, they think he's a really good wide receiver out of Texas A&M. What I'm saying to you is this. I think that whoever gets him will get a really good player. Browns fans are excited about um, the possibility of getting him at the very top. Um, Maybe somebody to go along with Baker Mayfield at this point, right? And so I do see them, you know, thinking wide receiver. Now, granted, he does have, you know, pretty decent wide receiver core already. But think about this. Maybe a Christian Kurt along with a Jarvis Landry, along with a Josh Brown, right? Um, Then maybe you have something there. And I said Josh Brown. I meant Josh Gordon. Y'all know what I mean. All right. Outside of that, um, Dante Jackson is still available. Dante Jackson looked like a shutdown guy, man, at at times when he was playing for LSU. Man, this dude has so much swagger and so much speed. I'm talking about speed out the wazoo, right? And he has, he has a lot, a lot of speed, but he doesn't have um, John Ross speed like he thought he did, right? And he he may be incredibly fast, which he is. And I've seen him play, and I've seen him run. And he looks fast on, on the field. He looks explosive. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, he didn't come in and, and do exactly what he thought he would do, where he thought he would break the NFL record for the 40 time. Um, he thought about it. I'm mean, Not thought about it. He actually approached it as if he would, right? He had that type of swagger, that type of feel. When he got there, he, he was still a 4'3". He's still a 4'3 guy. 
He's still somebody who's incredibly fast, and he's somebody who's incredibly skilled. I've seen him play in games where people just refuse to test his side. He projects as a slot corner in the NFL because of his um, size, but I feel at the end of the day, Dante Jackson could be somebody who actually surprises teams. He, I think he'll be a steal. I think he'll be a steal somewhere in the second round. So there's a lot of people who are available. Isaiah Oliver's still available. Ronald Jones actually hurt his stock based on his second run. Um, DJ Shock is, Shock is somebody who plays for LSU. I think he's another guy, another guy who's going to be way better as a pro than he was in college because of the lack of production at the quarterback position. So don't be shocked if you hear his name on day two. Um, the other person is Orlando Brown. Orlando Brown is a offensive tackle out of Oklahoma. A lot of people say, hey, man, he, he's the definite first-round draft pick. But I can't tell you how much NFL teams kind of lean on these measurables. And this guy, when he got to the combine, didn't really show well as far as his strength is concerned. And strength and arm length is something that's absolutely necessary for an offensive tackle. I don't know why he wasn't living in the gym at that point. Not sure. I don't know why he wasn't able to lift more than Saquon Barkley. I'm unsure about it. All I do know is he has sweet feet and sweet feet can really get you in a good position as as offensive tackle. He is somebody who needs to work on his strength. That's just what it is. Hopefully somebody will believe in him on day two and I don't see him getting past the second round. So there's so many players that are still out there and available. Maurice Hurst, Jesse Bates, Carrion Johnson, who lit it up for Auburn last season. My One of my favorites, one of my favorites, and this is sneaky, don't, so don't tell anybody, but one of my favorites is Mark Andrews, tight end out of Oklahoma. I'm excited about him. If you ever seen a tight end run routes, run really crisp and really nice routes, Mark Andrews is that guy. And I think he'll he's going to make somebody extremely happy on day two. Even late day two, I'm not sure if he makes it out of the third round. I don't see him making it past um, the Saints pick if they have another chance to, to pick when he's still on the board. All right, so... This is the wrap-up for the draft. There's been so many amazing and incredible things that happened in the draft. I was excited about Baker Mayfield going number one. People lost their minds about it. I also lost my mind about them picking Denzel Ward number four. I get it, though. I completely understand. Some people think, oh, man, this is a repeat of the Johnny Manziel, Justin Gilbert situation. And if they believe that that's the case, then maybe maybe they're right maybe this is that part two but maybe it's that gone right and that's what they're kind of banking on all right this is rickson seal with track star sports signing off yeah 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 it's what up rg we in the field with the track star shout out god shout out my mom shout out dj jeremiah shout out sean shout out everybody we in here